Good afternoon, distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Institute of Policy Studies Forum on Older Workers, which is held in partnership with the Ministry of Manpower, the National Trades Union Congress, and the Singapore National Employers Federation. To begin the forum, we would like to invite the Permanent Secretary of the Ministry of Manpower, or MOM, Mr. Obek Kam, to deliver the welcome remarks on behalf of all the organizers. P.S. Kam, please. Thank you. Um, ladies and gentlemen, a very good afternoon to everyone uh, and welcome to this IPS Forum for Older Workers. Uh, let me start with some uh, background history. Um, in 2017, just two years ago, uh, Singapore finally increased the re-employment age to 67. And actually, this was the final move in a series of changes uh, that spanned 10 years. Because in 2007, the government announced the intention to enact a re-employment law in five years. And for the first five years, the tripartite partners worked very hard on the ground to promote this concept called re-employment. So that by 2012, when we finally introduced the law, and we set the re-employment age at 65, actually Singapore was already very well prepared to implement it smoothly. And in 2015, the government again announced that we would raise the re-employment age to 67. And two years later, in 2017, it was duly enacted. Now, of course, um, the discussions over the last 10 years, uh, it's not the first time that Singapore has had to collectively, as a society, uh, to deliberate on how we should prepare for a population and a workforce that is older and more experienced. The current retirement age that we have of 62 was set in 1999. And before 1993, Singapore did not even have a Retirement Age Act. Each time that we have had to deliberate on this issue, we have been able to make progress together with workers, businesses, and society at large finding win-win outcomes. Each time, we have found that an older workforce is not something to be feared, but presents opportunities. And in fact, uh, quite coincidentally, over the weekend, uh, three articles were published uh, touching various aspects uh, of this issue. Uh, in the first article, um, the writer, and this was in the Straits Times, uh, the writer discussed the idea of living till 100. And of course, this is inspired by the book many of us you know, are familiar with, called The 100-Year Life, uh, written by Professor Linda Gratton and Andrew Scott. And the second article, uh, BT featured businesses who have begun to put in place progressive policies to allow their older workers to continue working for as long as they wish. And in the third article, which is an op-ed, uh, Christopher Gee and Damien Huang took a look at what Singapore and other countries have implemented as part of getting the conditions right for older workers to continue to work for as long as they wish. Now, what did these three uh, pieces over the weekend uh, have in common? Um, I saw in all three articles a sense of positivity, uh, optimism, and a sense of the possible, that these things are possible for us to solve and possible for us to do. Uh, in the first article, my key takeaway was that each of us as individuals have to take ownership of living out a 100-year life if we are indeed so blessed you know, uh, with that prospect. In the second, uh, what I saw and what I took away was that even as individuals are beginning to, uh, to, to adapt to this, Companies are themselves already beginning to adapt, and there are progressive companies uh, that have already begun to make the move and are able to support 
the aspirations of individuals. And in the third, I took away from it the flavour of the many solutions that actually exist around the world uh, that can really help us uh, to progress on this issue. So I hope that today's forum will, like us, will, will likewise leave all of us optimistic and confident about an older workforce. Our intention is to share some of the insights that the Tripartite Workgroup on Older Workers has gleaned from our stakeholder discussions as well as public engagements and to promote a deeper understanding of the various uh, issues at, at stake. And I hope that you will, at the end of it, like the members of the work group, come away recognising that there are indeed many valid interests at stake in this discussion. And all of these interests are worth upholding and advancing, and they should feature in the final recommendations uh, that we adopt for the future. At the same time, given that the interests are so varied, also to recognise that it is not possible for all of them to be upheld to the fullest extent. So I think that leaves you know, open the possibility that we somehow have to work together uh, to find a way uh, that you know, advances as best as possible the interests of all. Now, today, uh, IPS has organised this forum in three parts. Uh, in the first part, we will recap Singapore's policies to promote older worker employment and the very unique model of retirement and re-employment that we have in Singapore. And I think you will agree with me after hearing the presentation that we have actually made very good progress over the last decade. And therefore, we have good reasons to be confident that we can continue to make good progress for older workers. We will also be sharing insights from the work group's public engagement, which involve over 500 individuals. And these individuals represent the perspectives of the older worker, the younger worker, union leaders, uh, practitioners in the HR field, as well as business leaders. In the second part, <coughs> we can look forward to Christopher Gee's comparative analysis uh, of policies in Singapore and selected uh, OECD countries. Uh, and Diane E. Lin will also provide a perspective of technology and the competitive position of older and more experienced workers in this new landscape. And finally, we end with a dialogue with NTUC Deputy SecGen, uh, Mr. Hing Chi Hao, uh, SNEF Vice President, Mr. Alex Melchers, uh, and MOM Senior PowSec, Ms. Lo Yan Ling. In conclusion, I would like to thank especially the team at the Institute of Policy Studies uh, for organizing this forum together with the Tripartite Work Group. And today's event is actually a very important part of the Work Group's engagement efforts. Uh, what we share today and what we will learn from you today will be very critical in guiding our recommendations on the way forward. So I very much look forward to your active contributions this afternoon. And on this note, I wish you a very good afternoon. Thank you. Thank you, P.S. Kam, for your remarks. Now we move on to session one. To set the scene for today's discussion, we have two presentations. The first is by Mr. Lee Park Singh, Divisional Director of Workplace Policy and Strategy at MOM, and a member of the Tripartite Workgroup on Older Workers. The Tripartite Workgroup comprises representatives from MOM, the National Trades Union Congress, or NTUC, the Singapore National Employers Federation, or SNEF, and other organizations. The work group's four terms of reference are, first, to ensure an inclusive workforce and progressive workplaces that value older workers. Second, to review the longer-term relevance of the retirement and re-employment age. Third, to consider the next moves on the retirement and re-employment age. 
And finally, to examine the CPF contribution rates for older workers and their impact on retirement adequacy. Mr. Lee will provide an overview of Singapore's current retirement and re-employment policies. The second speaker will share key insights from the Tripartite Workgroup's public engagement with other stakeholders across Singapore in support of its terms of reference. He is Mr. Vikas Sharma, who is Research Director at Black Box Research. It's over to you, Mr. Lee, and then Mr. Sharma. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I have the privilege of being part of the Chapatite work group on older workers. And uh, it is my pleasure to set the context uh, for this afternoon discussion. And I'll share with you first the overview of the older worker employment landscape. And then I'll also explain uh, the retirement and uh, re-employment model in Singapore. Hopefully my sharing and discussion uh, this afternoon will help us to answer or at least draw out the trade-offs to answer the key policy questions that will come with an aging demographic and longer life expectancy. On the economy level, how can we maintain competitiveness with an aging population? And how can we stay nimble and productive? On a company level, how can the workplace embrace older workers in order to maximize uh, their potential? And on the individual level, how can I stay employed longer and meet my various uh, life goals. One of the uh, main contexts that affront us today is our changing, uh, work, changing population profile. The working, population, uh, age, working age population 20 to 64 is projected to decline slightly from 2020, whereas those uh, age 65 and above will continue to see uh, strong growth. This means there's a potential to maximize the contribution of these older citizens in the workplace. In fact, the increase in older worker employment could be the most significant boost to the workforce growth for years to come. Besides its impact on the workforce, the growth in the older resident population will also require the workplace to respond accordingly. Indeed, this chart shows that the rising older resident population has been accompanied by better employment outcomes for the older workers over the years. A series of policy measures and positive economic conditions has helped raise the older worker employment with bigger gains for the older segments. Just to highlight some of the key policy milestones. In 2007, the government announced intent to introduce the re-employment law, and five years later, in 2012, we implemented the re-employment age of 65. Then in 2015, the government announced that the re-employment age would be raised to 67 by 2017. And five years from the last move in 2012, we raised the uh, re-employment age to 67 in 2017. The growth in older worker employment rate is accompanied by low unemployment rate. In fact, the unemployment rate for older workers are generally lower than the overall workforce. And this means that older workers who are looking for work can find employment. And the, older, and the unemployment rate across the different age bands, 55 to 59, 60 to 64, 65 to 69, are all below 3%. Based on these trends, the proportion of older workers in the workforce has grown. 
Close to one in four in the workforce is now over 55 years old. 15 to 54 age group has dropped by nine percentage points from 86% to 77% with the corresponding increase to the 55 years and above. Internationally, our older worker employment outcomes are not too bad. Compared with OECD countries, our relative rankings have improved over the decade with greater improvements for the older worker segment. Our older worker employment outcomes are also catching up with that of Korea and Japan, which have similar economies and population profile. That said, there's probably some scope for us to close the gap. In particular, I think we have scope to close, to improve the overall worker employment rate, especially in part-time. Our part-time is actually quite low compared to that of the OECD country. And our older women, older women employment rate is also much lower. For the age group of 55 to 64, in terms of the ranking, in full-time, we are ninth compared to OECD, but 23rd in terms of part-time. At the same time, I think older citizens have the potential to work longer with longer life expectancy. As you can see from this chart, the life expectancy and HAEL or HAIL, which is a health adjusted life expectancy, has, grown up, has gone up over time. And studies have also shown that there's a reinforcing loop with active work bringing about better health outcomes and vice versa. So you can see that the RA, which is the retirement age, and the re-employment age, REA, has increased over time in line with HAIL and longer life expectancy. So the question is, what should we expect in 2030? With that as a background, the Tripartite Workgroup on Older Workers focused its discussion on key policy revolving retirement and re-employment. To this end, I thought it's useful for me to give a recap on the retirement and re-employment model that will guide discussion for the rest of the day. It's useful to recall the reason how the statutory retirement age uh, came about. Back in the 1980s, the norm is that people retire from their companies at age 55, which is the time that they can withdraw on their CPA. In 1988, the government then encouraged employers to voluntarily raise the company retirement age from the norm of 55 to 60. But from the survey that we have conducted, only 10% of companies surveyed did so. So in 1993, the government introduced a statutory retirement age, packed at 60. What this means is that companies are not allowed to retire employees below 60 years old. In 1999, the statutory retirement age was raised to 62 together with cost-cutting measures such as a reduction in employers' CPF contribution rate and also allowing up to 10% reduction in wages for workers aged 60 and above. Subsequently, we introduced a re-employment policy which was modelled after the system in Japan. It was introduced to support workers who want to work beyond 62 and at the same time allow for business flexibility. Prime Minister announced it in 2007 and the re-employment law kicked in in 2012. So before 2012, the retirement age prevents companies from retiring their workers earlier. After 2012, the retirement age becomes the age where re-employment starts until the end of the re-employment period as defined by the re-employment age. 
And the re-employment age was set at 65 in 2012, which was then subsequently raised to 67 in 2017. In terms of macro outcomes, the re-employment model has done relatively well since 2012. More than 98% of eligible private sector local employees who wish to continue working were offered re-employment at age 62. And the vast majority of these employed, were re-employed in the same job, enjoyed at least the same wages as before. A study also showed that the Re-Employment and Retirement Act has raised employment rate of targeted group of older workers by an average of 1.6 percentage point per year. While the retirement and re-employment policy is encapsulated in the Retirement and Re-Employment Act, legislation alone is not the magic bullet to deal with the multiple challenges faced by older workers. The, re-employment and, the retirement and re-employment policy is complemented by other initiatives to ensure the older worker remains employable and businesses can adjust and adapt to an older workforce. We do this by providing support to employers, providing training and job facilitation to older workers, and continuing to shape positive perceptions towards older workers. In terms of providing support to employers, the government introduced a special employment credit in 2011. The wage credit of between 3% to 11% of the older workers' wages are paid directly to the employers which encourage them to attract and keep older workers. At the same time, we provide work pro grants to help companies adapt to more older workers in the workplaces. The work pro help companies defray costs in coming up with age-friendly policies through the age management grant, in coming up with suitable jobs through the job redesign grant, and in coming up with flexible work arrangements through the work life grant, all packaged as a work pro grant. Besides providing support for employers, we also continue to invest in training and job facilitation efforts to improve employability of older workers. So older workers receive greater support for, uh, from the government through our Skills Future and Adapt and Grow initiatives. Lastly, it is important as a society that we shape positive perception towards older workers. TAFET, for example, has been having an ongoing campaign since 2016 that tries to shape people's perception and mindset towards older worker, that the ability is ageless and the older worker can add value to the workplace. And the perception of older workers has indeed improved uh, over time, which I think is a key building block for continuing our work in supporting older workers to work as long as they want to. With that, I thank you for your attention. Hi, good afternoon. My name is Vikas, and I lead the public policy team at Black Box Research. So I believe some of you may have heard of us before, but it would be remiss of me to have this platform and not shill our services just a little bit, right? So I'll just give a quick introduction to what Black Box Research does. We are the premier market research agency in Singapore, and we have a uh, multidisciplinary team that specializes in public policy, in communications, in sentiment testing, and also in cutting-edge data analytics. As a homegrown agency, we like to think that we have a very good understanding of the Singaporean community and issues that are top of mind to us Singaporeans. Now, speaking of top of mind issues, I think I would struggle to come up with an issue more top of mind than the one that we are convened here for, 
which is the issue of an aging workforce and the challenges that it springs up for all stakeholders, whether they be the workers themselves or their employers or even the policymakers. Now, I'm very honored to be here today to share some of these insights from the public engagements with all of you. Now, before I get into what we call the proverbial meat and potatoes of the findings, I think it's good to set some context on the engagement. Now, Black Box Research was commissioned by the Tripartite Workgroup to conduct some of the public engagements on their behalf and to understand the aspirations as well as the concerns of uh, Singaporeans as regards the employment and the employability of older workers. Over a period of three months, more than 500 participants were engaged in a series of focus groups and dialogue sessions. Uh, many members of the uh, work group were present for these sessions, including Mr. Khan himself. I think they would attest to the uh, vibrancy of conversations that took place and also the commitment that all the participants showed in uh, contributing positively to these discussions. Here you can see the composition of the participants. Now, business leaders and HR professionals made the biggest group, followed by union leaders, public officers, and the general public. You'll also notice that within each of these subgroups, sorry, Within each of these subgroups, there is a wide spectrum of representation. This was done to ensure that the findings that we get from these sessions truly are a microcosm of the ground realities. So then what are the work-related aspirations of Singaporeans as they grow older? How do they wish for their advanced years in the workforce to pan out? So let's find out together. Right, so most workers uh, see themselves working longer into their 60s and beyond. Now, we came across a set of uh, such participants, of such uh, uh, people in our engagements who actually never want to retire, right? So their uh, key reasoning is that, hey, I am still feeling healthy in mind and in body. Why should I have to stop working? I still think that I can contribute to the workforce in, late into my twilight years. In fact, I would uh, include my own father-in-law in this particular camp. I mean, he just retired late last year at the age of 70 after having worked for 45 years in the civil service. And already all he can talk about is how do I find another job and how do I set up my own business? Not because he needs the money, he just wants to be engaged mentally. But then on the other side, you have people who want to aim for early retirement. Now, these people want financial independence. They don't want to have a job to pay the bills. They want to get out of what they call the rat race and be able to pursue other interests outside of the workplace. So you can see there are views from both sides of the aisle. Singaporean workers also want more control. They want to have a greater say in how long they need to work for. They don't want to hang up their work boots just because they are now old. Now, where does this uh, sense of control, where does it stem from? Now, for some people, they are motivated by a sense of being self-sufficient. They don't want to be burdens to their family in their old age. For some people, they value the camaraderie and the social interaction they get from their workplace. And then there are some people who really like the mental stimulation of working, of holding down a job, of contributing in a meaningful way. 
Across all age groups, we saw that participants share a common desire for greater flexibility when it comes to the intensity of their job roles. They don't want their job options to be very binary in nature. You know, on one hand, it's full throttle, high intensity work. On the other hand, it's complete retirement. So they don't want their job options to be so stark and so binary. They want there to be a gentle progression from their full job scope to something that is more amenable to them as they advance in the years. Now, these options could include things like part-time work. It could mean flexible schedules. It could mean transitioning into a mentoring role where they spend more of their time training younger workers and imparting the legacy knowledge that they have accrued over their years in the workforce. So now we have had a look into what aspirations they have. Now, what are the concerns or what are some of the key things that keep them up? The first one would be re-employment. Now, workers are worried that the year-by-year -year nature of these re-employment contracts uh, means that they can never really be secure about whether they will have a job or not have a job in their older years. The stress, in fact, sometimes spills over from the workers themselves to their family members. Now, if you will look at the uh, third verbatim here, it is actually from a young worker in the age group of 25 to 34. And this gentleman, he was talking about his aunt. And he was saying that how his aunt is so stressed about whether she will have continued employment. You need to worry every year about pay cut and continuation of job. The contract doesn't secure you till you're 67 years of age. The next concern is about skills and training. Now, some of our older workers are reluctant to stretch themselves and to expose themselves to upskilling or reskilling. Why? Now, the reasons for this resistance are manifold. For some people, they just take such immense pride in the skills they already have. So they don't, want, they don't see the need for new skills to be added on to that arsenal. For some people, it could be that they are fearful of whether they will be able to cope with these trainings. And then there's a group that really doesn't see the point of going for training when they are going to be in the workforce for only a few more years. However, there is also a group of older workers that want the training, but don't see a very matching enthusiasm from their employers. They believe that if there is a set number of uh, training dollars to be allocated, then the employers will probably allocate them to the younger colleagues first and not to the older workers. Still on the topic of skills and training, uh, some employers seem to believe that many a times uh, it is just so difficult for older workers to assimilate new skills quickly, right? If you look at the first verbatim over there, no matter how much you reskill them, it is difficult for them to keep up with the pace. Now, what uh, came up from the engagements was also that employers need to understand that probably a more nuanced approach is needed when it comes to upskilling or reskilling their older workers. An approach that incorporates elements of some tact, maybe a bit of patience, and also a bit of creativity as to how you should approach the topic of upskilling with your older workers. Next, we look at older workers, uh, sorry, workplace attitudes uh, as concerns the older workers. Now, some older workers are concerned that there may be ageist attitudes at their workplace, especially when it comes to promotions, especially when it comes to perks given out by the employers. 
They seem to believe that employers would rather incentivize the younger workers because they can stay on for a longer period of time. Also, older workers seem to think that their younger managers sometimes do not know how to manage them correctly and do not provide them enough feedback. But then again, you look at it from the other side. The younger managers struggle to find a tactful way of providing feedback to their older reportees. Right? So over and over in this presentation, you will see that there are always two sides to the argument, and that is what came up again and again in our consultations. Also, older workers find that as there is more and more use of uh, you know, apps like WhatsApp or Slack or uh, teleconferencing uh, facilities like uh, Skype at work, they sometimes feel that they can't keep up with these new technologies, and they feel out of the information loop. The next bit is about job redesign. Now, yes, they all recognize that job redesign is important. However, older workers feel that sometimes there is a lack in communication as to when will the redesign happen? What form will the redesign take? What will I have to do so that I am able to contribute to my redesign job? So these are some areas which bring anxiety to the older workers when it comes to the topic of job redesigning. But then when you look at it from the employer's perspective, some employers think that there are some jobs which just can't be redesigned. Or perhaps in some cases it makes more business sense to just go out and hire younger workers instead of trying to find ways to redesign a job to keep an older worker employed for longer. Next we look at uh, one of the key concerns, which is health. Now for employers, let's look at it from the employer side first. Now, employers think that the cost of providing adequate medical, medical insurance coverage to their older employees is a strain on their finances. As we all know, as we get older and older, our insurance premiums just seem to skyrocket. Now, this is an important concern for employers when it comes to deciding whether they want to employ or continue employing older employees or not. Employers also worry that if their older workers start to show signs of mental and physical deterioration, then it will be difficult for them to justify offering them re-employment contracts. From the employee side or from the worker side, of course they can share this concern about health. But they made some suggestions as to what they think their employers can do. Uh, these suggestions range from mandatory health screenings at the workplace to the provision of gyms, wellness programs, and so on. CPF contribution rates. Now, some older workers are concerned that the lower CPF contribution rates for them actually seem to reaffirm uh, an ageist bias at work. I mean, their simple uh, reasoning is that, hey, if I'm doing the same work as my younger colleague, why should I be getting rewarded less? And you can see that in the second verbatim on the slide. I heard one of the older workers saying, why is my CPF cut? Younger workers and older workers should have the same CPF contribution as we are working the same job. But then you look at it from the perspective of the employers. They say that because there is a lower CPF contribution rate, that is a big contributor to the business case of why I go and employ older workers. So that's the argument from the employer side. So, what we have seen is a wide spectrum of opinions, a wide spectrum of concerns, right? So just to borrow a phrase from Mr. Lee earlier, is there a magic bullet to address all of them? 
Unfortunately, no. Right? Employability of older workers is a very complex issue. And it's an issue that warrants shared responsibility. So I'm afraid there is homework for all of you to take back. Right? So workers you need to be more proactive about upgrading their skills. Employers need to build age-friendly workplaces and need to find ways on how to reskill and upskill their older workers better. Need to invest in it. And definitely, both these parties need to communicate more. Only then will there be more trust built between them. Only then will there be more clarity. Only then will they be able to plan better. So with that, I come to the end of my presentation. I understand that we have quite a stellar lineup of speakers and panelists to follow. I wish all of you a very productive afternoon. Thank you very much.